Welcome to Military Network Radio, where we'll bring dynamic interviews and fresh information about topics affecting your quality of life at each stage of your military service. Join us each week for information of value that improves your outlook, actions, and encourages each member of the family. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Everyone serves, and together we make a difference. And now, here's your host, Linda Crater. Welcome to Military Network Radio. We are delighted to have you here with us today. I am joined today by Pamela Stokes Eggleston as our co-host, and we brought back Dr. Harry Croft from San Antonio because we want to talk about the the topic that's on everybody's minds at home whenever we're dealing with people who have been deployed, military families who know those who've been deployed. We know that Harry was with us on one other show that was just a terrific program because of his expertise in PTSD and, and the real quality of life issues that go along with it. Today's program is going to be not PTSD is in my office, which is what we did before, but instead PTSD is in my house, in my home, in my kitchen, in my bedroom. You fill in the blank. But we also know that PTSD just doesn't disappear at home or at business. So it's prevalent everywhere. So welcome again to our show, Harry, and we are delighted to have you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. It's a broad topic. PTSD is in my home. Where would you like to start with that one? Well, let's begin, uh, Linda, with the symptoms of PTSD. Not so Mm -hmm. that people can make a diagnosis, but so that as we talk about what happens at home, uh, people can relate to this condition we call PTSD. Okay. So PTSD is, by definition, a condition that comes from a life-threatening trauma. Now, there's some other things that we can talk about that not related to combat, that is, sexual violence and other things. But let's confine it here to combat or military-related PTSD. So there has to be a trauma that is life-threatening to the person or someone around the person. That's number one. Then there are four complex of symptoms. The first one is called unwanted recall. That is unwanted recollections of the trauma. And it can be in the form of unwanted thoughts that just pop into somebody's mind, unwanted nightmares, unwanted nightmares when people are awake, what we call flashbacks, and then triggering events, which could be sights, smells, sounds, that that always remind the person and bring back thoughts of the trauma. So that's Mm -hmm. number one, unwanted recall. Number two is called conscious avoidance. Mm -hmm. That is making a real effort not to think about the trauma, talk about the trauma, or or even come into contact with things that remind you of the trauma. And number three is negative thoughts and emotions, the most common of which are things like not wanting to socialize, not having positive moods, including positive loving moods, not trusting people, feeling guilty, 
feeling uh, uh, a sense that, you know, my life's going to probably end early for some reason. I don't know why or how, but I think it will. And, and that's number three. Number four is increased arousal. And those are the symptoms we usually think of, like being easily startled and being always suspicious or vigilant, hypervigilant, if you will, and being angry, irritable, and agitated, and then having trouble with concentration, focus, and sleep. So those are the four complex of symptoms. Now, people may know those if, if they live with somebody who has this disorder. So let's start in the home. Mm-hmm. What symptoms might be there? Well, this unwanted recall. Uh, it could be thoughts that just pop in the person's mind, and I'm going to come back to those. It could be nightmares. And a nightmare is something that may happen more frequently than most people realize. And interestingly, Linda, uh, people who suffer from PTSD might not remember the nightmares. Now, Mm -hmm. that seems weird. How could you not remember it? But many people sleep through them and, and don't recall what the nightmares are. But there are things associated with those nightmares. For example... During those dreams, the person may talk, mumble, yell, scream, make unusual sounds, or they may move vigorously, sometimes violently, often lashing out with their arms or legs, and sometimes Mm -hmm. accidentally even hitting their bed partners. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I've I've, uh, talked to, to many veterans who will awaken in the midst of a nightmare. And the nightmare is that they are actually choking the enemy. Right. And they wake up to their disbelief. They actually have their hands around their bed partner Mm -hmm. and can't believe it. And, And when people wake up from those nightmares, they're often sweating profusely. Their heart is racing. I've had descriptions. They wake up sitting up with their eyes wide open, but they've been asleep until that point. So those are the nightmares. Uh, If the nightmares occur when people are awake, we call that flashbacks. So a flashback is more than just for a minute. Remembering something, it's actually in the person's mind reliving it. So for those few moments, the person is what we call dissociated from right now. They're here, right here, right now, but in their mind's eye, they're back in Afghanistan or Iraq or Vietnam reliving some trauma. Mm-hmm. And and then there are those triggering events, and the triggering events could be sites, for example, a newscast or a movie or, or a headline. Uh, it, it might be sounds, loud noises, uh, sounds that sound like gunshots. Uh, interestingly, I often ask uh, uh, my veterans, what are some of the unusual 
triggering uh, things for you. And one of them said, well, I can tell you it's the sound of people walking on gravel. I said, mm. what does that remind you of? Well, uh, in Iraq and Afghanistan, uh, these veterans, uh, the, when they were military members, lived in these uh, the big boxes that go on sh ships, the container boxes. Mm -hmm. They reconfigure them and call them chews. And, and so they live in the chews, but they would put gravel outside of the chews so they could hear if somebody, the enemy, was walking into their area. And so the sound of somebody walking on gravel can be a triggering event. The, the smell of burning meat on the barbecue mm -hmm. can be a triggering smell. The smell of, of rot or human waste can, can be a reminder. So stop and think about the veteran who, who responds to those things. The, the, the spouse sees them mumbling or screaming at night and will try to wake them up and say, what's going on? And, and the person may be bewildered. They may not even know. Remember, number two cluster of symptoms is called avoidance. That means a conscious avoiding of talking about it. Mm -hmm. And often what I hear is the veterans, when I said, when I asked, do you tell your spouse about any of this? No. Why don't you tell your spouse? Well, what they often say is they wouldn't understand anyhow. And so uh, I just can't talk about it. But the reality is they don't want to talk about it. So when the spouse or bed partner asks about these things, they say, I don't know. I don't know. So those are some of the ways that the first two clusters of symptoms can affect people at home. Uh, you you, you want to take a pause? Yes, I do. Because it, should we go to the next? Yes, let, let me ask you a question. I know that sometimes in therapy they will say, you know, you, you just constantly ask because eventually they will answer you. But I've also heard from spouses directly, and Pam, you may want to chime in on this. Sometimes they don't want to talk about it because they know that it would be traumatizing to the spouse. And once something is said, it can never be unsaid again. And that can be a, a reluctance that is meaning as protection. So almost a proactive kindness, if you will, even though it's harmful to, to keep it all in if it's not being treated. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does to Absolutely. me. It does to me because as a spouse, I mean, I think, you know, people are saying they don't understand. They're telling kind of the clinician that. But really, you know, that could be um, a precursor to, well, I just don't want to bring her in more. I don't want to hurt the situation. It's already hurt. It's already stuff yeah. going on, right? So it's kind of like, you know, it's avoidance in, in, in the nth of power, you know. So um, it's really, it's really um, that kind of thing. And I, I think, and, I'm sorry, Harry, we have about 20 and, seconds. And, and let me go to number three. No, nope, we need to hold and number three until after the symptoms. Break. Uh, okay. 
We have there are only 30 seconds, so we're going to hold number three until after the break. We are talking to Dr. Harry Croft, psychiatrist who is a very deep specialist in PTSD and combat PTSD in particular. And we will be right back after this commercial break. You're listening to Military Network Radio, and we will be right back. Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. Listen, something is brewing. The beautiful business evolution is coming. The way we do business is about to change for the better forever. This is real business at its very best. On Beautiful Business Radio, you will learn what it means to truly prosper, how to nourish yourself and your business, how to earn what you deserve and make a difference in the world. The tide is rising. The change is here. Discover a new way to live, love, and partner with yourself and your business on Philippa Rollins Presents Beautiful Business Radio, where you matter and your business thrives every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time, only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. Familia, faith, identity, tradition. Latina life is never boring, but it can be muy dramatica. So how do you coexist between the old school ways of la abuela and the new school life you're creating for yourself without losing your faith, familia, identity, or tradiciones? Welcome to Living Latina with Francesca Escoto, where culture curls and curves collide in one spicy cross-cultural conversation that will leave you begging for mas. Francesca tackles all the important issues, from politics to family values, to religion to, you guessed it, relationships and men. As chief everything officer at the Wow Factor, Francesca is passionate about showing women of all cultures, ages, and lifestyles how to rock what they've got with style, sass, and smarts. Be sure to join her every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time for Living Latina, only on the Woohoo Radio Network. to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. We're here with Dr. Harry Croft, and Pam and I were talking with Harry during the break about the fact that um, spouses have one perception and vets have another. So, Pam, maybe you can repeat what you said right before the break. Yes, and what I was uh, alluding to was that sometimes the spouses, yeah, you can feel left out because you're not sharing. And sometimes when, you know, the vet says, well, I'm just trying to say, you know, she wouldn't understand or whatever. Often it's more like I'm, I may be fearful to tell her because of, 
you know, whatever perceived or um, assumed repercussions may occur once I've said it. You know, so for instance, you know, we already know we're going through this stuff, particularly if, if I'm living with somebody who's having nightmares and I have to sleep next to that every night. Um, so I'm, you're sharing it whether you're saying it or not. Um, you're sharing some of these experiences. And so when a spouse may ask, well, what's going on? Or, you know, I have to think, rethink how we're living together because, yeah, you may wake up where somebody's choking you or something like that. You really have to think about that and your family and kids and that kind of thing. What are you talking about? And then if they shut down, if they do the avoidance thing, as, as Dr. Croft has um, uh, alluded to earlier, then I think that creates more tension. Spouses feel frustrated. We're already dealing with a secondary PTS on top of a lot of this. So what are your thoughts about that, Dr. Croft? Well, you're exactly right. And, and let, me, let me go to, to that cluster number three, the negative thoughts sure. and emotion. We all know the, the change in people when they come back from combat, they, they may not want to socialize or go out anymore. They certainly don't want to be around crowds. But, but there are a couple of other symptoms that especially affect home life. One is, is negative emotions, more than positive emotions. So all of us have opened to us a full range of emotions that go from loving and warm and kind and very positive and happy and, and joyful and gracious and grateful and all that to very negative emotions. When people develop PTSD, the positive emotions become less and less often and harder and harder to come by. Mm -hmm. and, and so the emotions are either neutral, not positive or negative, or often they're more negative. That's number one. Uh, and, and you can imagine how that lack of positive emotions can affect a relationship. But there's another part as well, and that's called being distant and detached. Mm -hmm. When I ask that, so does your wife, does your spouse, and it can be the other way around, of course, uh, with, with the, the spouse being the female part being the vet and, and the uh, male being the, sure. the spouse. But, sure. but, but when I say, does your spouse ever accuse you about being distant and detached? And they get this look like, how did you know? And, and say, what do you think they mean by that? Well, they tell me I'm there, but I'm not there. I, I just don't respond very much. So now let's go back to that avoidance thing. Well, you know, I, I don't think she could handle it anyhow. Well, that's mm -hmm. partly true. That may be that there were certain things that happened that were so horrible that the vet doesn't want to remember it. For example, having to kill a child, watching a child die as a result uh, of, of an explosion that was set off by our troops. Uh, those things can be so horrible that the vet assumes that the spouse could never understand it and, and doesn't want to even hear about it. But it's also 
that avoidance thing that they don't want to talk about it because talking about any of that brings back all of the emotions. And so they just don't respond. And in not responding, what often happens is that distancing becomes greater and greater. And then the lack of positive emotions comes in because they see the spouse now is just blah or angry. They're never positive. They're blah or they're angry. A lot of the vets jokingly say, my spouse says I'm bipolar. (laughs) (laughs) It's not happy to to sad like you'd see in manic depression or bipolar illness. Mm -hmm. It's going from blah to angry. Right. Often in a matter of seconds. And we haven't gotten to the angry part, but that's another problem. All those can cause problems uh, in the relationship. You know, Harry, I mean, we've heard thousands of uh, spouses, partners talk about that everyone comes back changed. I think that's an accepted thought and that there will be an adjustment. One of the most difficult things that we also hear is that we can't get the vets to go get treatment or to talk to someone about how they could better manage these symptoms. There's a lot of avoidance of even acknowledging that their lives have changed. How do you help the family members to encourage that? Or is there a way to encourage that unless the person's receptive? Well, I I mean, most of the spouses who are listening understand how difficult that is. Mm -hmm. I don't mean to say that it's not, because it can be. Because one of the other symptoms in cluster four is anger, irritability, agitation. And so what often happens is... When the spouse brings it up, the response is anger, agitation, irritability. What are you talking about? You don't even know what you're talking about. I don't even know what what you're saying. I'm not different. Right. My God, well, maybe I am a little different, but if you went over there, you'd be different too. Right. And, and, And so the anger and irritability then pushes the spouse away. And, and causes problems. And, and it's not that much different, Linda, than dealing with someone who is, uh, say, a substance abuser or alcoholic. Mm-hmm. You, you know, the spouse, the family members say, you know, you're drinking way too much, and I hate the way you get when you drink. Um, I mean, you, you got a drinking problem. And the person with the drinking problem, even without PTSD, says, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, well, just get off my back. I'm right. not an alcoholic. You, you don't understand. And, and so if you push hard at that point, the push back is such that uh, nothing happens. So right. my, my recommendation, whether it's an alcohol, drug problem, gambling problem, Internet problem, or PTSD problem, is you plant the seed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you plant the seed by talking about you and you and the kids. It, it, it's not 
you, the vet, are different. You got to get fixed because you're screwed now. And, and, you know, you've got to get fixed. Well, a better approach is talking about me. Mm-hmm. Here's what I'm seeing. Here's what I'm seeing happening to us. Here's what I'm seeing happening to the family. Here's what I'm seeing that's different about you. Uh, and and I, I think uh, there are ways that that people can get help for them and make changes. Uh, and, and that's a suggestion. And the person, the vet may say, you don't know what you're talking about. Get off my case. Uh, I don't have anything wrong with me. Uh, and and uh, uh, get a little upset. And at that point, I would back off. And, and then ju- you've planted the seed, though. And then fertilize and water it in mm-hmm. hopes that it will grow. You come back to it at some other time. You, you remember when when we had the discussion, even if it wasn't a discussion, uh, it was me pointing out to you, but you remember when we had the discussion uh, about changes that, that, that I've seen? Well, you know, I'm seeing them again. And, and I just wish... Uh, if not for your sake or my sake, but for the kids' sake or the sake of the rest of our lives, that you would go and and uh, get help. Uh, I, um, Harry, you know, I'd like to. I don't know exactly what. Harry, I'd like to ask, and perhaps we'll table this for you know as we come upon our break, um, you to speak more about. Um, turning that conversation around. And, and I wanted to interject because I really think it was important what you said earlier about saying that I feel this way and therefore this is what's happening to us right. as opposed to saying, you know, you, 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 you know, maybe 10% of that will land if you say you, you, you. But perhaps how do we bring um, caregivers uh, of these uh, types of, uh, uh, you know, spouses dealing with PTSD, but yes, they're caregivers, they're caring for um for their uh, service member and veteran with PTSD into this conversation of blamelessness and trying to get as much of the message to land as possible by not pointing the finger, but remembering that there are three fingers pointing back at them and that they want to make that situation better. I know that that's a long kind of discussion, but I really think that um, it's important, Dr. Croft, to speak to that because I had to learn that myself the hard way, and I'm still learning it. I think it's just as a spouse in general, (laughs) that's hard to learn in terms of, you know, blame and not taking blame. So I I just want to hopefully get more into the meat of that um, during the break and to discuss how we can say, this is how I'm feeling, this is how I'm showing up, and this is what we can do about it. Well, I think that's exactly what Harry was doing with the role playing. I'm finding myself fascinated by the role play, and I think that this particular part of the program, and we'll continue it after the break, is exactly what you're talking about, Pam. You know, the examples of what to say and how to say it and how to phrase it, those are all very important if you want it to be received on the other end. We'll be right back after this commercial break. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here. 
for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep into topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world, and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, trishagoyer.com. That's T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R.com. Trisha's vision is to be the voice of hope and possibility for women of all ages. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. We are talking about, in essence, role plays of how to approach your veteran service member when you know that things have changed and you would like to make that change or have some better communication and warmth come back into your family. And Harry was giving some amazing role plays about planting the seed by talking about you coming from the position of yourself. And this is what is happening because I think that too often um, there is such a frustration and a fatigue level that caregivers, spouses, partners come at the vet with, you know, come on, you, you do need to do something. So Harry, if you could continue along those lines, Pam, maybe you give him a start to a role play and, and the two of you go back and forth. Well, I, I think here's one that comes up sometimes um, where people, uh, I'll say spouses, caregivers are really at their wits end and they're tired and there has been that sort of avoidance and um, lethargy on the part of the service member veteran. He's languishing and she's tired and money's tight and she's wanting some help around the house and he's not doing it. And he's kind of feeling, you know, in a situation where I'll say the caregiver may be feeling sorry or, or, or the caregiver may perceive that the veteran is feeling sorry for themselves and sitting around. And she's like, I'm busting my butt with three kids. I'm doing all of this work. You know, I'm trying to keep the house straight. And what are you doing? And, and you, you, you. So how, how would you address that? Well, l- let me, Pamela, that's, uh, the, that's perfect. And we're, we're going to talk about that. But, but let me back up a, a few steps. Okay. Um, it, you know, there are differences between men and women. Uh, well, really, Harry? I, well, I mean, I, you know, <laughs> what? That's, that's why I get Did, the big Who bucks, knew? You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, but, and this is in the absence of any sort of other problems. Right. Women uh, are emotional, and, and women talk to vent because they want to get things out. Men talk to get things done, uh, right? Uh. So, so if a woman is going on and on about the way she feels, the guy may feel helpless because I can't fix this problem. Heck, whatever I do, it doesn't fix the doggone problem. And so I don't know what to do, which then increases my frustration as a man 
And I say, what the hell do you want from me? Mm-hmm. And, and the woman is thinking, he never listens to me. <laughs> he never mm-hmm. listens. Mm-hmm. And the bottom line is because I get better if I talk things through. He wants to just do something. I don't even know what he wants to do. And then it's going to be over with. Well, dude, it doesn't work that way, mm-hmm. I think. So so that's even in the absence of some of the symptoms uh, that, that we talk about. And, and so it's important when things start to happen with PTSD that you realize that those differences probably existed before, but certainly not to the level they are now. And, and number two, I, I want to mention, because as Linda knows, I've evaluated over 7,000 veterans with PTSD in the last 21 years. That's why we ended up writing the book. I always sit with my back to the wall because one of the things I learned was that these veterans don't realize there's anything wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I know that sounds strange to anybody but Pamela and Linda and all the thousands. <laughs> right. But to many of the veterans, there's nothing wrong. I, I don't even know what you're talking about, they're saying to the spouse. I, I, in the book, we write about uh, the number of marriages. The largest I've ever seen was a guy married nine times. Nine times. Mm. Now, wow. you got to get points for trying, I guess. But the point <laughs> is that, that he didn't, didn't understand. He did the same thing every time. And every time, the marriage went down the tube. But he didn't even see what he was doing that was causing it. And many vets with severe PTSD deny the fact that they have PTSD. Mm -hmm. I saw a lieutenant colonel who had terrible PTSD. And and I said, you know, Colonel, you, you suffer from PTSD. He said, no, I don't. I said, why? He said, Doc, he said, I had all these men who had arms blown off and legs blown off, and I and and I'm not that bad compared to them. Mm-hmm. They have PTSD, but but I don't. So now let's go back to what Pamela said. It, it, you know, so so look at I've got all these issues. Uh, the wife is saying. You know, I'm raising the kids almost by myself because you don't seem to help anymore. And, and uh, you know, the bills are all running behind now. And, and I, I can't get you to get up off your duff and get a job and all that stuff. What do you suspect the response of the vet's going to be to that? Wow, I didn't know that. I'm so glad you brought that up. <laughs> no, I what's I'm sorry for is. laughing. That you're right. I mean, I mean, the vet's gonna just yes. go yes. off, right? Right. And where does the conversation go from there? There is the no. There is. There is none. There is none. Right. Right. Okay. 
So, Pamela, you hit it right on the head, talking about what I see and what I feel and what I'm going through. And, and I'm not even sure sometime where, where your head is because I, I don't hear anything back from you. Can, can we somehow make some time where we can really talk about this in such a way that hopefully we can make something positive happen. Now, the answer may still be very negative from the vet, but again, you've planted the seed. And the idea is you plant the seed that, that here's the way I'm seeing it. Things are different now. I don't like the differences now. I fell in love with a guy that that was very, very different than the guy I'm living with now. And and I I realize some of that is just what happens when people go to combat. But I want as much of that positive relationship back as we can possibly get. And I'm willing to work on it. And, and I would like to find a way that we could work on it together. Uh, that may mean going to counseling. It may mean going to the minister at the church and trying to get some help. But doing something to make things happen more positively. I also need to mention that that without help for the PTSD, if that's the major problem, the counseling part isn't going to work as well. You know, because a lot of the vets I see, the anger, irritability, remember, they get angry uh, at, at, at such simple, and they'll tell you stupid things. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I told my kids to pick up the toys, and I came home, and damned if the toys aren't all over everywhere. Mm -hmm. and, and the vet just lost it and said all kinds of things that he didn't mean. And, and he felt so guilty after he said it and did them. And, and, and then the guilt drives more frustration and anger. And, and so getting help for the PTSD is important. But just getting help for the PTSD without also working on the relationships at home uh, uh, probably isn't going to work as well. So both are necessary. And, and there's some problems in getting that help sometime, too. Well, I think the recognition that there is something wrong is is one it, it it's as you said uh, you know an alcoholic has to know they're an alcoholic before they seek help um here they have to acknowledge that they have ptsd to seek help and that's often the hardest time for the family members how deeply does this affect children harry oh oh linda you that's that's another topic for a, a whole show, but, okay. but uh, let me let me give you some examples, and, and then and and then you can kind of picture what a kid's thinking. Okay. The 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 vet father does uh, avoids crowds like the play, so they get invited to the kids' play at school, or the kids' game, or the kids' party 
or something that the child has, and, and they don't go. Or if they do go, they, they don't stay very, very long, and, and they stay way in the back of the room. Uh, and, and they don't even know they're doing it or why they're doing it, and certainly the kid doesn't. But a kid's not a little adult in a kid's body. A kid is a kid. So the kid thinks, Daddy doesn't love me enough. Mm-hmm. If he loved me enough, he'd go to my games. He never comes to anything that I do. I don't guess he cares. That's that's a real-life example. Mm-hmm. The, the example I just gave you about uh, Daddy just lost it because I left my, my, my toys out. Heck, I picked most of the toys up, but I left one toy out. And, and I guess Daddy doesn't even like me. He just yells at me all the time. And, and Daddy used to hug me and love me and, and make me feel warm and wanted and good. He never does that anymore. Now, none of those are directed uh, at the child, but the child puts thoughts to all those behaviors. And, and oftentimes, the end result thought is, I must be bad. If daddy doesn't love me, if daddy doesn't want to come to my kid, my games, I must be really bad that I did something so terrible that daddy doesn't love me anymore. Mm. And it's very, very difficult for kids, very difficult. The other thing is... Uh, children have told me, you know, I don't want to bring any kids over to the house. Right. Because I never know when dad's going to get mad. So all those, uh, all those are ways that the kids can be affected. And it does affect children. And, and often they're not verbal enough to put words to it. And so they start acting out. They start misbehaving or they start um, having bedwetting when they had lost that many Harry, years ago. I'm they sorry to stop you. We're avoid- going on break. We'll be right back. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. Network presents the Diva Download with Tracy and Tasha. If you think Diva is all about attitude and drama, think again. The Diva Download is the premier online radio program where girls of all ages, shapes, sizes, and colors get together to redefine what it means to be a diva so that all girls can discover their inner diva and develop a healthy sense of self-worth and self-esteem. Being a true diva means you're diverse. Involved, value-driven, and active. That's today's diva. If you want to celebrate the girl in your life through education, encouragement, empowerment, and entertainment, join us every week on Tuesdays from 6 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time and celebrate the essence of being a girl only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. 
Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's baby and toddler instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's baby and toddler instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. In our last segment, I think it would be really important, Harry, if we could talk about some of the misconceptions about PTSD treatments. Because some, what's the statistic? It's huge that people go to, vets will go to the VA for one treatment and then never go back again. And that clearly is not the way to get better. But there are many ways to learn coping and management of PTSD. And I wonder if you would talk to some of the effective ways that you know of um, that have really brought about positive change. So, so let's, let's start one step before that and talk about the things that, the misconceptions that keep people from going at all. Uh, number one, this will get better in time. All I got to do is give it enough time and, and, and things will improve. I hear that all the time, Linda and Pamela. It's just not true. The, the, when I first started seeing these veterans 21 years ago, they were all Vietnam vets. And even at that time, they had been away from Vietnam two decades, 20 years. Mm-hmm. You'd figure if time's going to heal something, 20 years is probably long enough. Now it's been 40 years since Vietnam. And if you know any Vietnam vets, you know many of them are far from being healed. And that's because time alone doesn't fix this. Mm-hmm. And I say that first to, to defuse that myth that, look, just give me time and uh, it'll be okay because it's not going to be. Number two. Treatment doesn't work anyhow, and that's not true either. I have seen people who have gotten much better. I've seen families who have improved uh, uh, in, in great ways. Treatment does work, and by the way, treatment is generally not just medications. Uh, medication may have a place, but it's the counseling and therapy that works. Number three, uh, I, those people at the VA that they want me to see, they've never even been in the military. How the heck could they possibly understand what the what I'm going through? And and I don't like them anyhow. And uh, the, so the the idea that you know if 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 I don't like my therapist the first visit, there's nothing my therapist knew it's not going to work. Sometimes it, it takes getting to know the therapist before 
you're aware of whether it will work or not. And and as you mentioned, Linda, there are places other than the VA mm-hmm. people can go. Uh, there are private therapists. There's county agencies that that may have uh, uh, help. So the other th- the 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 thing I want people to know is the counseling stuff can work. And and if they want to go to the VA website, uh, it's uh, www.ptsd.va.gov. There's lots of information there about help for uh, family members as well as veterans about getting help for their condition. So there is help available, but 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 you have to do it. And you mentioned Linda that the idea that uh, or the the stats that many veterans will go for one visit and one visit alone. Mm-hmm. The avoidance uh, mechanisms, the anger irritability will kick in, and they'll say, "I don't want to talk about this." And that therapist at the VA, all they wanted me to do was talk about what I didn't want to talk about. And I'll be doggone if I'm not going to talk. If I'm going to talk about it, I'm not going to do it. Man can't make me do it. Mm-hmm. As if as if it's some plot to get them to do something that will harm them when, in fact, it may help. Let, let me tell you what I tell the vets. I say, you know, it, it going to therapy for this kind of stuff is like cleaning up your house. Two ways to clean up your house. If you don't have a lot of time, you take everything that's out and you throw it somewhere, under the couch, in the closets, in the attic, in the garage. That's quick. And if somebody comes over after you've done that, they say, wow, your house is pretty clean. (laughs) But when you try to find anything, You can't do it. You open the closet and everything falls out. And you you can't remember where anything is. Nothing works. The other way to clean the house is you take everything that's hidden and you bring it all out. Because only when everything is out can you decide what needs to go in the closet, what needs to go in the mini, what needs to go in the trash or the garage. But if somebody comes over when you're starting to take things out, they say, wow, I I thought you were trying to clean up. Mm -hmm. Looks like you're making a mess over here. And and that's what happens with counseling and therapy. When you first start bringing stuff out, it seems like this is stuff that I'm dealing with by not thinking about it or talking about it. And that therapist or counselor, all they want me to do is talk about it. Well, hell, I'm not going to do that. They don't understand that that by bringing things out, you can then learn to deal with stuff differently and perhaps save your marriage and your relationship with your kids and, and uh, your home life. Uh, so I think the, the take home message is therapy does work if you give it a chance and, and, uh, uh, you can find on the internet or through your radio show, Linda, lots of information Mm -hmm. 
people can use to get to get started on the right foot. You know, I, I think you're you're making an excellent point. I just would like to know what the general veteran response is to you when you give that analogy about cleaning the house. You can you can do you know you have to make a mess before it can get better. How is that taken? Is that understood? Let, or do you get more pushback? You, understand that that the veterans come to see me for a one-time disability evaluation. That's why mm-hmm. I've seen so many. And they okay. come in and sit down in my office with their hands crossed in front of their chest and often with a scowl on their face. And you can tell they don't know me from Adam, but they don't like me very much, mm-hmm. right? Right. But end of the session, they're telling me everything. And, and that's because they see that I really care. They begin to understand, uh, you know, I'm a veteran myself. They begin to understand that I really do have their best interest at heart. Mm-hmm. And I really do get it. And so when I give them that example, and that's, by the way, towards the end of the session, never at the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, their eyes light up. I mean, as if I've told them, uh, you know, a, a truth from from the, the philosopher Plato. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so, it, it, but, but it has to come at the right time. Uh, and and uh, it, it, that doesn't take very long. I mean, I only see them one time, so I'm not seeing them for weeks and weeks. Uh, the, the problem is that many vets have heard not so good things about the VA, and they go in with their arms crossed in front of their chest and a scowl on their face. And, and if the therapist doesn't hook them, hook them not in a bad way, but in a good way, uh, if the rapport is not there, uh, it's not going to work as well, and maybe it's worth requesting another therapist. You know, that's a very important point because connection is so important. If if it doesn't work, uh, isn't a good fit, that does happen. Um, the problem we have, though, at the VA right now is that there's a lack of additional practitioners, so there are aren't enough to go around and the waits are long enough and so that can be an additional hurdle right now although with vet choice uh, if you fit the other parameters uh, you can go into the private sector we have just a few minutes harry are there some additional cam complementary and alternative um, medical therapies that you know that have been positive for people yeah i mean there are lots of things Things being tried uh, for the treatment of PTSD itself, uh, EMDR, uh, uh, eye movement desensitization and, and reprocessing is helpful. Uh, animal therapy, mm-hmm. whether it's stuff with right. horses or dogs, can be helpful. There are some family programs uh, from some nonprofits around the, the country that have mm-hmm. been very helpful. Uh, there's art therapy. There's all kinds of things. In, in our book, we use something called the recover method. And the last R in recovery stands for 
redefining the meaning of your life after PTSD. And my experience, uh, Pamela and Linda, is that those people who get better finally uh, find something bigger than themselves to get involved in, whether it's religion or volunteering or supporting other vets or doing something else, but it's something else that gives meaning to their life in addition so that they can stop focusing solely on their PTSD. Yes, I think Linda knows that I would have added yoga to that because I've done a lot, a lot of work with yoga and veterans and PTSD, TBI and that kind of thing. So Good. No, you're absolutely right. But I think that one thing that Harry's bringing out that I have found in direct response by vets is when they help other vets, yes. they help themselves. Yes. And and that's true of unhappy people. If unhappy people help other people, they generally feel better too. <laughs> no, so yeah. it's a general, um, I, I think, a truism. But I, I think in this particular case, there's a camaraderie in combat and in, in being in the services that you can tap into here. So by helping others, you do help yourself at the same time. Harry, thank you so much for your time here today. I'm going to put resources for Harry Croft um, in the article following this program and where you can find out more information. And we are so delighted to be able to talk more in depth about how PTSD in the home really does make a difference and some ideas and some thoughts on how to communicate, connect, and make life better for all concerned. Thank you for listening to us today. You're listening to Military Network Radio, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for tuning in today to Military Network Radio. You can find our show at our website, www.toginet.com forward slash Military Network Radio. Also, www.militarynetworkradio.com. And in iTunes under Military Network Radio. Join us next week when we bring you another program to enhance 